guest episode tomorrow oh nice who mr brendan von Oaken. oh really finally <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of our good friends he finally finally we finally got him on the show you'd think he would be one of the first ones we'd get nope yeah i never do things the way they're expected or no of course not yeah <laughs> it's that rebellious nature i guess <laughs> like screw that i'm not having my friends on i'm Let's gonna do, do this hard <laughs> I'm gonna make life miserable. Let's look for people who are, who've been on not on TV for twenty years. Let's find people I've never heard of. Mm. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Mm. I have some interesting ideas about guests I want to experiment with one day. You know, it'd be neat to do mm. to go into a rest home and interview old people. Oh, that would be interesting. I mean, like a war veteran. Uh, like, you know, it'd be really interesting to to see what their thought is on how the current state of affairs is in the United States. Like people who actually like lived through the the civil rights movement and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I'm sure you you'd get a lot going both ways. You know, because a lot of older people tend to be conservative as well. Sure, true. But well, a I lot of them, a lot of them fought for the change too. Though I know a few older people who who were rebels during that generation you know what i mean and their 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 struggle was very real and i mean don't get me wrong i'm not saying that the, the struggle we're going through currently in our country is not real but you know it, at, at least there's a template for how that's supposed to work um versus for a lot of them where they they were kind of inventing activism as we understand it you know absolutely uh tom and i actually talked about this a little bit on the last episode we of course talking, did. <laughs> talking about how um Nobody seems to be talking about Gandhi anymore, and that's kind of depressing because nonviolent protest seems to be it doesn't seem to be a topic of conversation anymore, and that's really frightening for me. Yeah. Sure. I mean Gandhi was amazing. Dude, the guy who thought that the guy one dude could get the English government to change the way that they, they ran their colonial governments by walking. Walking to sand walk the sand marches. That's how he did it. And, and starving himself. Yeah, how long was his fast for? I mean, I feel I feel crappy for not knowing that, but how long did he fast for? Do you have any idea? I don't remember, which is funny because just recently I watched the Gandhi movie, which is actually really good considering it's a white guy playing an Indian guy. Is that Kingsley? Yeah. yeah. That's probably why. He's just a fantastic actor. Yeah, Ben Kingsley's amazing. Sir Ben Kingsley, I'm sorry. I think he's a knight. I believe you're right. How long did Gandhi... Fast. Good question to know. Let's start with trivia right up here. List. Oh, there was many fasts. Seven days, 14 days, three days, three days, four days, five days, 21 days, seven days, six days, one day, 21 days, seven days, seven days, three days, 21 days, four days, six days. Jeez. Holy shit. That's 17 fasts. That's unbelievable. Huh? Okay. Well, good to know. That was it. You know, I didn't know this. I, I was just reading a book about walking and Gandhi came up in it. Um, something I learned about him that I did not know was that he was a lawyer in South Africa before yeah, I, knew that. Mm-hmm. I had never heard that before. Yep. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Which makes his, his choice to leave his practice and do what he did even more remarkable. Well, yeah. I mean, his practice was civil rights law 
in South Africa. So, I mean, he, all, I think what he ended up doing was realizing, like, I'm doing all this work. Maybe I should do it for my people. Sure. That makes sense. My family, my friends. Mm-hmm. Not like a, a racist, my people, but <laughs> but more of a people I love, my people. Well, the oppressed more than anything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, then, and that was a insane battle just because you're talking about a country, whether they're colonized or not, had a history of a caste system. Sure. Uh, I, actually, I think technically terrible if I say this and it's wrong, but I think still like yeah. caste system. I, I think it's I think it's regional. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure on that either, but I think it's I think it's there are certain regions that aren't in certain regions that are. I could be wrong. It could be the entire country, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy to to think that that still exists. I know it. It would be like if feudalism still exists. I mean. It, Actually, essentially, it's a lot like feudalism. Sure. You know, you have your peasants, you have your lords. It's kind of similar. It is, it's not that far of a stretch. I mean, actually, you have to wonder if maybe the two are related. It's possible. Maybe they yeah. would have brought that over there. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I am not an Indian history expert. I should be, though. India is a fascinating country. Sure with a fascinating history and some of the most amazing people have just Gandhi alone. I mean, that's one of, if you're going to make a list of like five of the most important human beings ever lived, he's on that list. I think so. Absolutely. Hands Mm. down. No doubt. I think, I think breaking up that list into, I mean, not to take away, God, I sound like an idiot for even questioning that, but um, I think it depends on what the struggle is. I mean, specifically yeah, the, for the struggle for human rights. I think it's, you know, definitely, he's definitely top three actually from that perspective. But I think when you, when you do the most important humans in human history, you got to consider what they're fighting for as well. Right. Well, I think he, he would well, what show they're up building there. In that case, like Copernicus or, you know. Um, he would show up on so many lists. Though. Oh, I mean, sure, sure, sure. Show up on a statesman list as well. Mm-hmm. One of, probably one of the greatest statesmen of all time. I don't know. It's it's definitely an argument that could be made. Let's let's put it that way. Oh yeah, definitely. He's part of the he's part of the conversation for sure. Yeah, and I don't even know. I couldn't even. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Well, it's it's tough because now I'm thinking about all the the important humans who have struggled through things like you know um, Nelson Mandela, um, you know obviously Martin Luther King and and the like. I mean, yeah, the the tough part is at least for me. I think my skew is towards U.S. history, but that's to say that throughout the course of, of U.S. history, there's been a lot of things that have changed here that have forced change elsewhere. You know what I mean? Right. So regardless of how, how American-centric I think my view of history is, I think that in some respects that's valid because of the, the things that we help to push forward. Yeah. Just, but I don't know that how that would show up in the list, but it's also because we're, we're skewed towards modern history. There are mm. probably things... I mean, even, even that would probably displace Gandhi where it's like stuff that happened before we were even born that changed the course of history. Mm-hmm. You know, like something that maybe happened in ancient China that the rest of the world wouldn't, you know, like be what it is today if that one thing hadn't happened that we're completely unaware of because sure. we don't study that far back in reality. Oh, what an interesting way to start an episode. Well, with knowledge and facts, no kidding. Yes, we are continually finding new ways to do it. Yeah, so so now we're 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 heading towards the side of relevance for the first time ever. <laughs> we're and starting with relevance, actually. It's another daylight episode too. Yeah. So, 
Who knows? At, at least later in the day. I feel like we've been recording at different times every week for the last like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I apologize ahead of time for that. That's my schedule being haywire with uh, the job hunt and everything else. Well, we're getting them out. That's what matters. Yeah, that's true. We are showing up. We are committed. Hmm, that's going to come up later in other topics. Ooh, hey, I'm curious. When's the last time you went to a baseball game? Never. You've never been to a baseball game? Nope. Huh. Not that I, I remember. Yeah, I don't know why I'm surprised by that, but I am surprised by that. I mean, I played in, in baseball games, and I'm sure I've been to like a little league game. But you, mean, I'm assuming you mean professional baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, never. There Jeez. may have been one, but I don't remember it. So that kind of counts as zero, which is interesting. Now that you know, because if you'd asked me that question six months ago, I've been never, and I never will. But since here and there, I've been watching baseball games on the television. Who knows? Maybe one day I will want to see it. In That's actually why I asked the question. If I want to go to a baseball game? Are you asking me on a date? I am asking you on a date. I'm curious as to whether you <laughs> want to just go check out a baseball game. I haven't been to a baseball game in, in a long time. And I'd love to just... I, I miss the experience of doing something like that. Not specifically a baseball game, but just being right. at a sporting event. You know what I mean? Like And, and cheering with a crowd like that. Urinating in that, a trough. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that, the, <laughs> the fun mob mentality. And not the, well, I guess it's akin to the, the horrible mob mentality. They're not really that different, but still. Like just feeling the cheer of the crowd and all that kind of stuff and rooting for your, your team. You know what I mean? Well, you know what's interesting to me is I find as I get older the idea of going to a baseball game is far more appealing than going to a concert. Mm, interesting. Why do you think that is? Um, probably just because there's a difference in uh, the people. That, you, know, what's, you know, how much chaos is actually there. There's a different kind of chaos. At a baseball game, it's chaos just like, you know, moo cow chaos. Everybody's moving. <laughs> get in this lane and move through here and there's a lot of people got to get hot dogs and all this but as a con- at a concert you have all that plus you have people that are drunk and you have people that are fighting and you have people that are you well know, hopefully not <laughs> that's a pretty raw baseball game yeah well it does happen though from what oh sure sure yeah but uh yeah so i i think maybe just it's a different kind of chaos and that the chaos of many people trying to just you know move through lanes and stuff like that is mm-hmm. a more reasonable chaos. Sure. It's, it's not a chaos where you have to worry about anything. You're like, I'm just a cow moving along. Whereas in other situations, you're like, do I have to watch my back? And maybe I'm just I'm past the stage where I have to, where I want to have to watch my back anymore. Sure. Yeah. It seems, it seems like, especially these days, like life just feels too short for that now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't make that much of a difference to me. Yeah. It's funny you say that though, because I've actually had the weird urge to go to a concert lately. Well, didn't you just go to the Wu Tang one? I didn't end up going because of concussion. Oh, I know, I know. I went to Muse, um, which was, I mean, love or hate Muse. What you'll you'll respect about Muse is the amount of work that goes into their stage show. It is legendary. It's unbelievable. I saw them once. Uh... I don't remember when. Did you see him at a festival? No. I saw okay. him at Bill Graham. Ah, gotcha. That was a long time ago then. Yeah. I don't remember the stage show really. Uh, but I do remember that he had a camera that ran down the neck of his guitar and mm-hmm. a camera that ran down the keys of the piano. 
And that was really cool. Yeah, that was, they've way stepped it up since. I mean, it's, there's a hundred foot robot that ended up showing up, which I have a video oh of. So God. that's my first action item. Um, Floyd levels. Which is, here's the crazy thing. The robot appears halfway through a song and then it covers Matt Bellamy with its giant arm. It's Whoa. nutty. Like it's, it's so intense. Um, but yeah, first action item. I have video of that. So I'm going to post that. Oh, type in that one in for, I forget. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, robot. I mean, and I'm not usually that impressed by stage shows, but I mean, this thing was just a masterpiece in so many ways. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, when you were saying it, I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about big pomp and circumstance on stage shows, but then I know there are certain times I've seen stuff where I'm like, Oh, I wish I was there for that. Yeah. You're like, Holy crap. What is that? Yeah. So I guess it just has to be my style of, of, you know, maybe it's, I'm just not into like fireworks and shit like that. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. But I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing that really impressed me about muses. It wasn't like pyrotechnics or anything like that. It was a, a, f- and whether you, you think it's, it's, I don't know, um, a little too showy for you or whatever it is. Like, I mean, there was a narrative to the entire show um, that that was kind of underscored by the music that was being played. And it was almost like the the the, the stage show was the sound. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the music was the soundtrack for the stage show. And it makes sense. I mean, I know that getting people to go to concerts now is more difficult. Sure. So like giving them something that's worth the price of that, the tickets are so fucking expensive. Yeah, it's in the hundreds, man. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you now, like my my... I mean, even Wu-Tang, which was kind of a tribute show with not much of a stage uh, show, um, was already in, you know, $110 range or something like that. And that's ridiculous. I remember when tickets went past 50 and everybody's freaking out, like the whole Eddie Vedder thing with Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. in our lifetime, man. Yeah. You used to be able to buy a ticket with like eh, the money you made in like an hour. Uh, now it's yeah. like a week. It has been a long well, time since not a week. Place. Yeah, I was going to say a um, day. We'll say a day. Well, the disposable income you'd be able to accrue in that amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, you know, like a concert wasn't like a big investment before. It was just like, hey, you want to go to a concert? Sure. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. And then half the times you wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah, it was something you could decide on a whim. You know what I mean? Now that. Yeah. Case it's a it's a full on production and 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 the price of admission and everything else and like the concessions are stupid it's like you know fifteen dollar beers not like a really drink oh yeah concerts anyway but I mean I remember when I could buy like a three dollar beer at a concert and and maybe that's aged me but still you need like a hundred for the ticket at yep. least at 100 least for, if you're gonna drink or eat anything there probably yep you've got to plan out months and months ahead of time that you're gonna go to it yep. Half the times you have to go on the website and try to get there on a specific day at a specific time so it doesn't sell out in like an hour. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird, it's a weird world when it comes to tickets. I don't know what it, and then at the same time, I think about it and I'm like, I don't know that many people going to concerts. Yeah, sure. So who the hell would, <laughs> it must just be kids. Maybe just, maybe we're just old. Maybe that's what it is. Well, I feel like a lot of it is, it's a certain social phenomenon, right? Like concerts are like a cool thing now, I guess. And so because, because of that, like people who wouldn't have normally gone to, you know, I think about the people who went to 
a Nine Inch Nails show in 1996. You know what I mean? Versus who goes to a Nine Inch Nails show now. Like, I mean, there's, you know, engineers from Facebook and Google and stuff. It's not really the underground subversive people anymore. It's it's everybody, which is part of the reason why... um, I mean, I guess you could just say then that from that perspective that... Um, the indus- the music industry and everything that goes along with it is also kind of being gentrified in its own way. You know what I mean? Well, this is something that back in when I had Mark Engels on as a guest that we talked about is how before you used to go on tour to sell your album. Mm-hmm. When you were a band, you would go out and playing the shows was less about making money and more about getting people to buy the album, which is making money. But it was an advertisement for that and to sell t-shirts, right? Sure. Sell merch. Yeah. yeah. Now you go on tour to actually make the money mm-hmm. because you don't make shit off records anymore. So there's a huge difference in that's probably how it plays into the price too, where bands have to, if they're going to make a living wage, they're going to make more money off of tours. So they've got, They've got to ask for more, you know, yeah, from which, the venue. Which then explains why certain bands, you know, focus so much on having such an elaborate stage show because they just kind of have to to, right. to get people to sell out the the concert, you know. Yeah, that's their that's literally their first line business now. Jeez. Instead of instead of like marketing, it's just it's a completely different world. I, I remember when the Stones had their one of their first reunion tours. Well, not reunion tours, but whatever you want to call it, they made a new album after like a decade of not making an album. I think it was Bridges to Babylon. And that ticket was over $100. And everybody's like, fuck, man, Rolling Stones tickets are expensive. And now that's common. Yeah. And, that's and it's totally not in, common now, yeah. It's not in line with inflation. You know, like a lot of a lot of people as they get older will say, I remember when this used to be this price. But like the thing that they're talking about is just naturally inflated with time. But tickets, concert tickets aren't. They've gone up drastically. I do think though that there's a balance point there um, in the sense that I think because you're not really paying for music the same way anymore, I think that it kind of balances out. You know what I mean? And that also that also shows how, uh, you know, like when I think about artists I, I like on Spotify or something like that, for example, um, no one has really... I mean, there are a lot of the younger artists, like the newer artists that are kind of up and coming. Um, they don't release albums the same way anymore. You know, everyone just mm-hmm. releases a whole bunch of singles um, and kind of build momentum towards a live show, you know? Right. Yeah. This, uh, Net, I mean, not Netflix, what the hell am I saying? Napster. There's the other N-word. Napster. Jeez. Um, Napster changed changed the face of music. Yeah, Sure. Once once that happened, I mean, it wasn't just them because there were plenty of other ways to do things like Napster. But Napster was like the big one and it was huge and that changed everything. And it almost makes you want to go back and look at Lars Ulrich and go, shit, this dude that we thought was such a douchebag, maybe he was right. Well, maybe he's still a douchebag, but he's also right. <laughs> <laughs> he was... And I was... Fuck, what was I listening to? Oh, I was going back and I heard an old episode of Joe Rogan where he had James Hetfield on. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how when that was going on, basically everybody in the the industry left Lars Ulrich out to dry. Mm. They would talk to other artists and they're like, dude, what you're doing is such the right thing. He's like, cool, well, join me. You know, like stand up for this with me. And they're like, no, I can't do that, man. Sure. So they're all just fucking pussies (laughs) that didn't want to stand up for their own principles. 
Well, I mean, there's I, that's tough though because it, you know it's it's like the, the the picket line mentality, right? Like a guy's like a guy like Lars, Lars Ulrich or, or or James Hatfield is already rolling in dough, so they don't have to worry about losing their living. You know what I mean? At least right. not in the same way that a struggling artist would. But and I'm not I'm not defending I'm not defending the artist who didn't stand by them during that period of time. But I'm saying that the the, the cost is different. You know. Well, I think that the problem is is that that's the perspective we all saw of what was going on there. Like, oh, Metallica, you make a shitload of money. What are you complaining about? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the money that they were making then. It was about the future of music. Sure. He, was, he actually saw what was going to happen. Where it's like, well, if this continues to happen and nobody makes money off money off of albums, what's that going to do to the industry? Sure. And he was well, right. We're looking at it right now. <laughs> and it hasn't destroyed it. You know, music will always find a way to survive. But sure. that's why we have concert tickets like they are now because, well, we gutted fucking the record industry. Which, sure. you know, fine for the record industry executives that were douchebags making money off of fucking artists and not paying the artists well. But all the artists that got screwed there kind of sucks for them. All the people that got dropped... Oh, it's a different world. Remember that show? Yes, I do. Dwayne Wayne. Um, I've been watching slowly, watching the Veronica Mars revival. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the police chief in one of the episodes and I'm like, I know her. And it's one of the the girls that was on A Different World. Uh, The the roommate, the mm -hmm. smart roommate. Um, Dawn, maybe her name was Dawn. That would be awesome if I was right. Here's something I don't ask you very often. How are you, Chad? I'm sweaty. Um, I'm okay. <laughs> Didn't expect that answer. I'm okay. I'm, uh, I'm a little frazzled this week, actually. Just having, I have, I have a project that I'm working on testing out and I'm not going to talk about, but because I don't know if it's actually going to happen. That's taking time and then doing three episodes this week and everything. I just feel like I'm kind of all over. And then I spent a lot of time tweaking audio today. And that sucks. I hate tweaking audio. Mm. I hate when I have to go in and try to fix little hiccups and stuff in sound. So, And that was on your guest episode? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like... Uh, not to call him out publicly, but because uh, it's not, I said I'm the one that made the decision. Unfortunately, we couldn't f- find a decent microphone for him to use, so he used an earbud, which actually sounded decent. I'm like, let's roll with it, but then he had the rub sound. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember the rub sound. So I've been trying to go in and cut <laughs> out as much of that. By the way, anybody wants to know what the rub sound is? It's this. It's funny you can barely even hear it. Um, but in the old version, because of how we were recording, that rub sound was so loud. It sounded like sandpaper. Yeah. Well, that's all I'm doing is rubbing the wind guard on my microphone here. And this mic has so much ability to cancel out noise, plus Zoom's canceling some noise out. But yeah, when we were doing it, we were using for people who haven't been around that long. On the I think it was like the first three episodes. Yeah, sure. Lamb and I recorded with the earbuds that came with our iPhones in the same damn room. Uh, only the first episode in the same room. Oh, just the first one? I thought we did like two or three. Maybe two. Maybe mm. two. Gotcha. Um, we definitely still used earbuds when we switched to Skype, and I have no idea how we did that. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, 
if you guys remember what original earbuds were like, they had the microphone in line in the cord. So that anything that touches that cord gets picked up by the microphone as a vibration. Well, something something you didn't pick up. Um, I just dropped a whole glass of water on my pants. I heard that. Did you really? Basket. Um, I am going to go take my pants off and uh, change my underwear and come right back. I'll be right back. (laughs) Oh no! Oh no! I'll be right back. And while Lamb is changing his wardrobe or getting naked, he didn't make that clear. We can talk a little bit about some personal time that we haven't shared together in a long time, listeners. For example, have you guys gone over to Apple Podcasts and taken the time to rate and review this show? I always ask at the end. Okay, and we're back. I was just telling the listeners that they should go rate and review the show. And then I always seem to wait till the end of the episode. But there's no guarantee that everybody makes it to the end of the episode. Yeah, so we might as well do it early. That makes sense. Why don't we just do that right off the top now? Yeah, we should. Good idea. You know what I mean? That's a new way to start things. We're always learning, Chad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you didn't. I was saying that you didn't make it clear to the audience. Are you? You didn't. Cha- oh, that was fast. So you didn't change your wardrobe. You're just naked right now. Um, no, I just put on underwear, and now I'm in chonies in a chair. Uh, it's appropriate for this weather, anyways. Yeah, exactly. I actually feels a lot better. Yes. So thank you for giving me a reason to take my pants off. Good thing you spilled water <laughs> on it too, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no better way to cool off than to splash water on your crotch. I feel like I subconsciously did that, whether I meant to or not. It, it, my my crotch was wet and it was... All right, let's stop talking about my wet crotch. I'm not sure uh, what the hell we're going with this episode right now. Did we just name the episode, My Wet... Let's stop my talking wet. about my wet crotch. Oh, man. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna pull out an action item right now from last week. Did you ever find out where that words as uh, weapons thing... What what you were remembering? Um, it was a song, actually. Um, and it wasn't the song itself that I remembered. Um, it was the music video for the song because it was, uh, it was one of the first ever horror um, music videos I'd ever seen. And it was actually pretty creepy for the time. I mean, it's not scary now, obviously, because the production value of, of horror, as we understand it, has gotten way crazier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was from a song. Um, and I did not come into this prepared. So I literally have absolutely no idea what the artist was. You will uh, post it on the Instagram story, won't you? I, I will post it on the Instagram story, yeah. Post. Man, song. I'm like building up a lot of action items for myself. It's only two. Don't say a lot for two. Oh, I thought it was like three by now. Never mind. We're only like half an hour in. Uh, post song. Uh, shit. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? I totally lost my thought right there. And gone. And it's gone. It's gone like a mused robot. <laughs> oh, wait till you see this thing. It is epic and terrifying. And and the only way they could pull it off was to have a metal scaffolding with inflatable parts, but they made it look so real. Whoa. Huge. I mean, the thing is gigantic. It's enormous. We are baiting you guys right now. Baiting you to go to the Instagram. Which, by the way, is at random badassery. <laughs> Smooth. That was a great change, Justin Chad. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of the Instagram, it's something I would normally say for the end, but we can do it right now since we're talking about it. Two things that I did before our episode last week that I forgot to mention. One that I mentioned in an episode with Tom is you can now DM questions for the show. If you have questions 
that you want to know the answer of in the episode that we may or may not answer, uh, you can DM them via Instagram. Why Instagram instead of email? Because we'll get less spam that way. (laughs) Yeah, and just overall, it's just easier, to be honest. Well, Instagram, the one thing that I can really say that Instagram nails is the DM system. Because you can look in a message without telling the person that you've looked at it. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing you want to do with a spammer is open it and have them get a read receipt that says that you read it. Because then they'll just keep spamming you. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's really easy to block things too. So that's why I chose that. And then the other thing that... uh, This is a very minor thing, but since we brought up posting song things, since we are eventually going to be posting songs more often on there, Tom's interested in doing it as well. I just made a, you know, the little highlights thing that goes on the profile to collect Mm -hmm. them all. Uh, So that way people can look back and see other songs, you know, they don't have to make it. Oh, I missed the 24 hours where that one was up. Anyways, that's it. That's all I have to say about that for right now. What was that, Sling Blade? That's all I have to say about that. Uh, That is... um, Or is that Forrest Gump? That's Forrest Gump, dude. Hard, hard confusion between those two characters apparently uh sling blade is more like mm, deep fried taters oh yeah there's one feller and there's this other feller other feller hanging yeah. off a bridge one feller says mm, water is cold other one says mm, deep <laughs> that is sling blade yes <laughs> i just <laughs> messed up joke <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I choked too. I don't know how that that was. That's weird. awesome. You know, hiccups are contagious and yawns are contagious. Apparently, choking is contagious. Okay, let's get into a topic since we're floundering right now. We're just meandering through whatever the hell's flowing out of our brains at current. This is one I'm definitely interested to hear your input on because, uh, yeah, I just think you'll have good perspective on this. Mm-hmm. So, what I brought up, Tom, was I was thinking as I was walking this idea of using a lack of ownership to things that, you know, we decide to do like, uh, I'm going to, this podcast, for example, um, not owning it and saying, you know, like, this is my podcast, you know, like I do this and I do that. And off putting that ownership onto either the audience or other people by waiting for approval for things that you don't need approval for. Um, Let's make that a little bit more clear. I stumbled my way into that. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to need an example, Chad. So for example, I would say if it was going to be... I'll give you two examples. One would be off-putting responsibility onto you and Tom. So I could say like, I want to, for example, put the DMS questions into the, into the bio on the Instagram and that's what's well, like four, five seconds to do that. Sure. But I could be lazy and I could say, but I really need to talk to Lamb and Tom about that first. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, act, act first. And yeah, yeah, no, I get what you mean. Well, and no, I'll, I'll clarify what, why in that specific case. Let me give you the other one so I don't forget. I could also make a decision about something and go, hmm, I'm not sure if the audience will like that. And then just use that as a reason to delay action. So like, for example, like changing the Instagram, I don't need to ask you and Tom that because you guys are coming onto the show and contributing to the show, but I'm the one that runs the show. Yeah, sure. I've always been the one that makes all the decisions on those stuff because I'm 
I make the website, I edit, I set all this stuff on Monday, but it's my show. Like for a long time, it was just my show, mm-hmm. and, I and I hated that. But uh, <laughs> I don't have to do those things, but I can use that as an excuse sure. to not do things. Just like the oh, the audience might like might not like that. I can use that as a reason to not do something or like a project. You know, like oh, I have a really great idea for we'll say another podcast. But I'm not sure if people will listen to that. And then just like not do the thing that I'm really interested in doing because I'm I'm pushing my responsibility off on other people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the topic. Like w- the ways that we farm off our responsibility and we we don't take ownership for the things that we should be taking ownership for. You know, like uh, like our lives, yeah. <laughs> our lives. I tried to like in the other one. I tried to keep it like just to like creative stuff, so that we don't go everywhere with it. But you know, like drawing. If you're a draw, if you're an artist, like I wanted you to say drawer. I was gonna say drawer. I know. I I could feel it. If you're a drawer, <laughs> if you drawer, you like to five taters. That's why the drawer is not a word, I think. Number one, it's hard to say. Well, and also because horrible. it's already a word. It's a place where you put ties and underwear. Well, a drawer. Sounds god-awful. Drawer. Drawer. But yeah, so now that I've bounced around on that, you'd think that after talking about it for like an hour and a half on Monday, I would have been able to explain that a little more concisely. But I think you get what I'm saying. Do you have words? Yeah, I, I think I, it's funny because I think a lot of people do it and I think everyone does it for different reasons. Mm. Uh, well, not different reasons, but I think there's like three overriding reasons, right? At least off the top of my head. Number one is fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, a fear of doing something wrong. Uh, number two, a fear of doing something that isn't good enough. Um, and number three, just the... How do I put that? Um, the onus of putting the responsibility on another person. Mm. I would I would even add a fourth one there, uh, a fear of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I do write this book, then I am responsible for editing it, and responsible for marketing it, and responsible for writing another one. You know, like that kind of Eeyore mentality. Mm-hmm. I think we all get caught up in that a lot too, where it's like. Oh, if I do that, then like I have to do that. Or like a podcast is a great example. I have a great idea for a podcast. Oh, but then I have to make it. Oh, sure. Then I have to record it. And there, I imagine there's plenty of people that we personally know that have... I mean, that's a, I forget the statistic you threw at me at some point, but like the number of podcasts that fail after like the third episode mm-hmm. or actually fail after the first episode, you know? Yep. Well, um, just people think about, who just give up. There's a great quote and I'm going to paraphrase it, obviously, because I don't remember exactly, but it's something along the lines of people really like the idea of writing books. They just don't like the idea of having to write the book. They like the idea of having written a book, I guess is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote a book, but they don't really want to think about the work involved in doing it. And I think that applies to many, many things, like you said. Sure. And I think that, I think that we all fall into that trap. I know I do. You know, and and I've been trying as much as I can, especially lately, to to get out of that trap as much as I can. But I know I'm still responsible for that sometimes. Well, what are what are ways that you fall into it? Let's 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 get some more concrete stuff here. Um, like this podcast is a good example, right? Like I always assume that you're the one that's in charge. 
And whether that's valid or not, that's it, it, it dissolves me of any kind of responsibility towards doing certain things within the podcast to help it grow. And I know that that's, I know that in, in no small part, I've held the podcast back at times because of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know that until you got to the point where you're like, you know what? I can't rely on anyone but me to do this. The podcast didn't really grow for a long time because you were giving too much responsibility to other people who didn't want the responsibility. In this case, it's me. You know what I mean? Well, a great example would be when I tried to do that monthly creative challenge. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that was I was trying to learn how to create a team and have people... Uh, be responsible and I left it free and open because I didn't want to be a micromanager. Mm -hmm. And we had people, some of whom might be listening, but then I, I don't know, I didn't give enough direction and it just nothing happened. Yeah. So it's really, and I think it maybe it's possible in that group. What happened is what we're talking about here too. It's like, Oh yeah, this should be done. And then maybe people assumed somebody else in the group was doing it. And it's it's really easy to fall into that trap. And I don't think anybody that falls into that is doing anything bad. I want to clarify that first. But it is it's harmful to us if we want yeah, it's, to it's try not to it's, it's I think the easiest way to define it is it's not harmful, but it, or it's not malicious, but it's definitely harmful. You yeah, know, and I mean? to some way to others, but more so to ourselves. You know, like in you know our goals. Like uh, we'll we'll use your example of the podcast. I I don't know the extent of how how much difference it would have made. But we'll say, let's just make up an imaginary situation where say you decided you were going to just market the shit out of it and get us a shitload of listeners. Mm -hmm. Who knows what would have happened? Like you might be making money off the podcast this today. So in the long run, you may have hurt yourself. Sure. We don't know. It's all speculation, but I can, you know, there's examples of ways that I've done it for sure. Um, one really good way is yeah, absolutely. Uh, having done our first Patreon and just like totally dropping the ball on that. If I had stuck with that, we had we had some patrons on our, on our first Patreon, you know, years years ago, year and a half ago, two years ago, and they they eventually ended up dropping because I just kind of I wasn't doing anything over there. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons with this Patreon, I've been so diligent with doing my Patreon because I don't want to see that happen again. Sure. But that's a great example of me harming myself by not taking ownership of that Patreon. And that's that's one of the reasons when we started the Patreon originally, I was like, oh, it's going to be Patreon for all three of us. And then afterwards, I'm like, I know how much work I'm going to put into it. And then I don't know how much everybody else is going to put into it. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, that's going to make a really ugly situation where I have to bug people to do things. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that because I already have had so much experience in the past of not liking bugging people to do stuff. <laughs> just, yeah, sure. Well, like, I mean, even, even something down to simple as like having people rate our episodes and, you know, review the show. I mean, you'd expect that our if you want an easy way to get disappointed, expect things from people that are, that are like that. I mean, mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong. Like it's not to say that, you know, people have busy lives, they have stuff to do, but this is why it's hard to count on anyone but yourself to get these things done, you know? Well, and I think one of the, the things that I, I tend to forget, but that I need to remember too, is you have to really output things in a selfish way. And I, what I mean by that is when you think about asking other people to contribute things, you have to think about it as them in a selfish way. 
you have to so you have to ask yourself what's in it for them sure why would they want to do it mm-hmm. if there isn't a compelling reason for them to want to do it that actually clicks with them you know you can find one that you're like oh yeah they should totally click with this but if they don't then you're wrong yeah sure but if you don't think of those things it's not going to happen that's why it's so much easier when you're doing things to pay people because what's in it for them their paycheck absolutely they're living sure you know, like if I had an editor, I'd probably more likely more likely to pay an editor than get a free editor. Of course. Because a free editor could be like, oh, you know, I'm going to be in uh, maybe Mexico for a week and a half. So I'll, I'll get back to you then. Somebody you're paying, you're like, tomorrow, 5 p.m., send me all the notes. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I will, I will tell you now that even from the perspe- my perspective, I mean, part of the reason why I'm not more committed to, to doing things for the show on a consistent basis is because I, I do have to worry about my living, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if I didn't have a full-time job, do the things, the things that I could contribute to the show on, on many levels. Um, and, you know, even in this particular case with where I am now in my life, like I, not only do I have a full-time job, but I'm also looking for a full-time job at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, and I, and I know that, that, you know, everyone's circumstances, um, that, that's also a, a, an easy cop-out. And I don't want to use that as a cop-out for not taking more action in general, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a motivator. Like when you have a compelling reason to do something in this particular case, it's your livelihood and your paycheck, then you will definitely do it because you, you like to eat and you like to sleep on a bed and have rent and stuff, you know? Yeah. There's definitely, there's a balance where I think, and we, we talk about a balance a lot, but I mean, it is an important word. If you worry about your paycheck too much and don't pursue things, uh, let me put it this way. Pursuing a paycheck is keeping afloat, right? Yeah, it's today. You're dealing with the you're dealing with the the small details of today. Mm-hmm. Doing something, I won't use the podcast as an example of this, but we'll say your music. That's reaching beyond today. You're reaching into the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And that is two opposite ends of a spectrum. Where if you spend too much time only paying attention to the today goals, to the paychecks, then you'll wake up one day and go, I never did anything with my life. Mm -hmm. All I did was stay afloat. And then the opposite end of the spectrum, if you risk too much and go all in on the future and don't pay your bills, then you're kind of fucked too, right? Yeah, you're you're fucked in a completely different way. Sure. So you have to find a, a spot along that spectrum, and that's what's really difficult because it's not as easy as there's these three, three spots, right? There's spot one, spot two, and spot three. You know, okay, I don't want to be on spot one or three because those are the extremes. So let me move to spot two. No, it's a string that's between those two spots, and you have to find the place in the middle where you can find balance. Mm-hmm. Like, how far along this can I edge where I don't kill the other thing? And that's yeah. and it's different for everybody. It's really difficult, and I think that's probably why we farm out ownership too. Because the the thought of having to figure that out, you know, when you take ownership of your goals, that's probably a good word to use for this. When you take ownership of your goals, you have to do that kind of thinking and that kind of calculating, and that's emotionally exhausting. Absolutely. So I think that's another reason we avoid it too, where it's not even like we're being lazy, where it's like, 
I don't want to think about how much of this I can do before I can't afford to do it. Yeah. I mean, if I think about my life where it is right now, I mean, the one thing you can accuse me of a lot of things, but one thing you can't accuse me of is laziness. You know what I mean? Like I am constantly busy. Um, right. but that if I was going to accuse you of something, it'd be being late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the son of a bitch. So busy, he's late always. <laughs> you know what's weird though is that usually I'm not. Um, that's a very recent development in my life, which is horrifying to me, um, which I have to correct. I don't, I don't like being that guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely... It, it, you you can also get wrapped up in it too. Like I mean, I get wrapped up in the day to day. You know, I get wrapped up in the the pursuit of the paycheck without realizing the, the 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 toll that it takes if you spend too much time thinking about it. So you're right. Like I mean, I've I fall squarely into that equation, and in more ways than I pro- I'm probably willing to admit to myself, unless it's on this stupid podcast and I have to admit shit. <laughs> well, it's 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 a survival mindset that we slip into, which is why it's so pervasive sure. and why it's so alluring. Because in some way. Even though it's not built into our DNA to, you know, the idea of paychecks isn't built into human DNA, but survival is. Mm-hmm. Of course. And when we trigger that survival mechanism, it's really easy for us to lock in and to block everything else out. And that's why, like I said, it's really important to also get that other end of the, of the spectrum in your life too, where it's like, well, that's good. You're taking care of today. But what about tomorrow and next month and next year? That's I've been watching, rewatching a whole bunch of episodes of Queer Eye because I just love that show. And I, I finished season four and I'm like, it makes me happy. I'm going to go back to the beginning and watch it again. Mm-hmm. And so many of the people on this show that are being made over, the reason that they need to be made over is because they spent their life too focused on the paycheck. And they stopped worrying about what they look like. They stopped worrying about what their room looked like. They stopped worrying about their relationships. Mm-hmm. All of these things because they were so... You know, in that mode of like, wake up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV for 2.5 hours, go to bed, wake up, you know, rinse, repeat. And that's, it's really easy for me to see this because my whole life I've been terrified of that cycle. So like, I've always in my own life been like, okay, (laughs) to my detriment at at certain points where it's like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay that bill. Oh, sure. I mean, like right now, at this point in my life, I'm on a, I'm a, in a very risky place. I'm putting, other than the money it takes to pay my bills, literally every cent after my bills are paid is at risk because I don't have anything after that. I have no disposable income at all anymore mm. because I'm, instead of trying to find more clients, I'm putting more into this creative stuff. Sure. And I'm, I'm putting more into tomorrow. And right now, that seems like a good balancing point. It won't last long because there will be one bill that pops up here or there that goes over that. You know, you always have that surprise expense. And then who knows what will happen then. Yeah, something okay. that you don't see coming. I'm taking a risk right now. But sure. I, I feel like I'm, I'm 42 years old or I will be in a month. I feel like I have to. Because if I don't, then before I know it, I'll be 60. Sure. So it's that's why I think I've been thinking about this ownership more where I'm like, why isn't this being, you know, I want this and I want this and I want this. Why isn't that being done? Oh, because I didn't take ownership of it. Mm. 
Because Which explains a lot of the, the, the way you're doing things now, just with the podcast. Like you definitely have been much more mindful in that sense of, of what you're in charge of and what you're, you're actually doing from episode to episode, you know, it's kind of cool, actually. There was a shame. There was a shame to certain things before too, where I think before I would have been ashamed to say, this is my podcast. Mm-hmm. Really? I don't know why. Because yeah, weird. I, I would I think that because I would be afraid that people would interpret that as me like denigrating like Tom wasn't around then, but I would have been afraid that people would think that I was denigrating you like oh Lamb is a sidekick like it's not that it's not that it's that what his part is is to show up and talk mm-hmm. but all this other stuff that's my shit yeah of course and that means that this is my podcast and like I mean technically you could say like almost like you and Tom are just weekly guests. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no illusions about that at all, dude. And I know, I know how much this thing means to you and how much work you're putting into it. And I have no right to think I'm even close to equal to you in the amount of time and work that you spend on making this podcast what it is. I but know it. And it's, it's just recently where I'm like, I can take ownership of that. I can be like, yeah, that is, you know, I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's pretty damn remarkable, actually. And instead, I think I, would, I spent a lot of time almost being embarrassed of that. Isn't that weird? You know what? Think of it this way, dude. This podcast would not have survived without you. On, for, on many different occasions, there were reasons for us to throw in the towel and you never let that happen. So many weird twists and turns too. Like I, You know what I think about a lot? This is really... Um, we're going actually a lot personal today. This is cool. Yeah, I, I don't like feel, it. But it's not an intrusion into like my personal life that I don't like. like it's, anyways... I've been thinking a lot about the when we were originally random badassery. We had our peak uh, as at that time we had the most downloads we've ever had in the show when we were doing the artist profiles. Mm-hmm. And so many changes after that, where it's like boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I wonder what had happened, what would have happened if we could have just kept that. And I'm like, I, I was, I mentioned this either with Brandon or with Tom. So now I'm going to confuse my two conversations <laughs> where it's like, well, we couldn't have continued that because the amount of work it took to do those episodes, you didn't have the time to do the artist profiles and the other stuff that we were doing. It was just too much responsibility for going into an episode. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to remind myself of. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a nice, huge peak. Like, we were on a trajectory there, but it was a trajectory that I don't know that I wanted to stay on. I sure. like the way the show is now. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it's 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 more difficult to explain to people <laughs> because you know, like, oh, we 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 study artists and then we talk about what we learn from them. That's a really easy explanation of a show. Mm-hmm. What do you guys do on this show? We talk about what anything we want. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be an artist profile or it could be just what we had for breakfast. Right. I mean, think but, about what this episode is. I mean, we never, we had no idea we were going to talk about this shit. <laughs> the only thing I came in with was, oh, I need to talk about that ownership again. Literally the only thing I came in with. So, so far we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is pretty solid thus far. So, I mean, I, th- I, mean, I think, but I, but I think that also gives us the capacity to be so much more real within the scope of the show, and I, I, I think I like that a lot more instinctively. You know, it's so I mean? much more fun. It's so much more entertaining for us, for you and I, to do mm-hmm. the episodes and the other ones. You know, because we're more relaxed and we're more ourselves. I, I feel like we're not putting on a persona to do these episodes. 
Oh, definitely not. I mean, I'm in my underwear, Chad. Yeah, well, that could be your persona. That's you true. Be weird touching himself guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, please. Oh, man. I'm thinking about running for public office. I hope that never gets out. <laughs> I didn't say you are. I said you well, could be. Yeah, but you know how that works in the current news cycle, man. Yeah. Which well, is a whole different topic altogether, but sure. Good Lord. The current news cycle is just a bunch of t- latte just went outside. If you could hear that. I don't know how, my, how well the microphone picked that up. But yeah. The current news cycle, yeah, not a topic that we want to talk about. Yeah, I heard, I heard it was like a very small cowbell. Oh, and we need more cowbell. You always need more cowbell. Cue Christopher Walken. Uh, I miss Saturday Night Live from that era. It was good for a little bit, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still instinctively, I, I still think there's definitely like um good pieces in there like i never i mean it's lauren michaels and it's the cast of saturday night live there's definitely some brilliance in there um but i don't know maybe maybe there was just a golden age and a a magic group um you know the the dan Aykroyd, eddie murphy era and then quickly following that the kevin nealon and um phil hartman era uh with dana carvey and mike myers and everybody else remember that group Mm -hmm. i mean that was a special group of performers Lauren Michaels is a good person to bring up right now, actually, because talking about like owning something, if Saturday Night Live was just pure chaos, and if that guy hadn't been like, "All right, this is my thing," it wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, that's true. On as long as it did, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. Like when you really start to like take this idea, so I've been just kind of swallowing it and going, okay. Yes, this is. You know, it also means clearing things out. But you start to look at the people that you respected, and we think about talent a lot. But talent is such a small piece of the puzzle of why people succeed at things. Oh, I completely agree with that. I think it's almost the most unimportant thing. Um, I think it's a good catalyst. Like I think about the, the things that I've both succeeded at and the things that I've not succeeded at in my life. And it's funny because the things I have an innate talent for, I haven't succeeded very much at all. But the things in which I just work my ass off, I totally succeeded way more. <laughs> well, I think that the talent doesn't... Uh, it's weird to say, but the talent doesn't make you unique. No, of course not. Like if you're a, if you're a good guitar player like Jimi Hendrix, guess what? At that time, there were probably other guitar players just as good as him. Eric mm-hmm. Clapton. What made him unique and what made Clapton unique or whatever is what they did with it. You know, how many, how many people are in their bedrooms right now that are just as good, if not better, guitar players than those two guys, but are going nowhere? Sure. Because they, they, don't, they don't own it. Well, think, think about think about the, the guests you just had on, um, Julie, right? I, I I personally, and she's a fantastic model. So, Julie, I'm sorry if you're hearing this and you're and and this sounds wrong, but I definitely <laughs> a much much better guitar player than she is a model. But damn, she's a really successful model because she works her ass off at it. You know what I mean? But she's such a talented guitarist, and very few people actually know that. You know, she's not just a guitarist; she's like a, a shreddy metal guitarist with incredible chops. Right? How many people? How many people on Instagram? Like she gave this example on that episode too. You know, how many? There's there are so many people who have no idea that she's ever even picked up a musical instrument, much less shredded in a metal band. Right. Well, I think that that's a lot of the stuff when you think about. Uh musicians that are successful you find behind that there are other things that maybe they're even better at sure. like oh look at anthony bourdain is a great example not a musician but 
Anthony Bourdain was a mediocre chef. He would mm-hmm. say it himself. He was not a great chef. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty good writer. Uh, and he would have been a hell of a director too. I mean, honestly, like I, 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 I watch a bunch of the episodes of the various shows that he did and all of his influences, you know, all the people that, that I personally loved in, in, in the various um, directorial homages that he did in his shows, like, you know, guys like um, Chris Doyle and, and Wong Kar Wai. I mean, these, these, these musical, or I'm sorry, these film people that I have such a phenomenal respect for. And he, he essentially had the same influences. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, what did he work at? What did he, what did he put himself in the position to do to be a personality? Sure. And if you asked him, that's probably the thing that he was the worst at. He probably thought that he was terrible at it. Oh man. He, but he loved it though. Uh, I don't know. He killed himself because of all the traveling. So I'm not sure if he loved it, mm. but yeah, um, yeah. it's, it's hard to know somebody's heart. I'm just throwing that out there. But the things that are very apparent aren't always the things that succeed, you know, like he, he did the writing was probably the thing that he thought he was the best at mm-hmm. because I mean, he's, he wrote a lot of novels, even the intros to the show, he wrote those himself. Like that's probably the thing he thought he was the best at, mm-hmm. but it's not the thing that he succeeded at the most. Sure. And that's, that's an interesting thing to think about or like, who knows? I know David Bowie liked to paint a lot. Maybe David Bowie was a better painter than he was a singer, but he worked harder at being a singer. He accepted that. And maybe, and maybe this is an instance where talent kills you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I personally think that that's true. Like, I mean, I, I know that I'm a good walking example of that in many ways. Of all the things that I do, you know what I think I'm best at by far? What's that? Music. And you know what I didn't spend 20 years of my life doing? <laughs> it's music. weird, right? Yeah, it's super weird. I, and, and my sister used to, to, to give me crap about it because she's like, it's because it came too easy to me. And I think yeah. that that's definitely, definitely why. Like in, in, in examining my life as it is now, like I definitely know that the reason I didn't work as hard at it is because it, it was just innate. You know, it, it came to me naturally. Yeah, and what are the two things that you worked the hardest on? Probably, I guess, golf and photography, right? Yeah. And I was not a great photographer for when I first started. And golf, I was awful at it when I first started. And the two things you're probably not only am I pretty good at it, but I work in the. Oh, yeah. By far. Not even close, actually. And writing, too, actually. That's a good good thing to think about. When I was younger, I was a phenomenal writer for my age. And I, I just didn't write for a while because I was just like, eh, bores me. Mm hmm. Yeah. There's, there's got to be some kind of, uh, kind of, some kind of struggle. And maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe that's an important this is a really good wraparound. Maybe that's a good important part of the ownership. Maybe if something isn't a struggle, it's hard for us to take ownership of it. You know, I I've gotten this from quite a few people including pretty much all of my exes. Um the latest being, you know, she who shall not be named, not because I have a problem saying her name because I don't want to mention her on the show, but she used to tell me that one of the things I was just really good at was getting good at things. Mm, that's an interesting perspective. You know what I mean? Because when it came to stuff like that, dude, I when I was bad at something, I'd work my ass off at it because <laughs> I, I I couldn't accept that I'd be bad at, it, and that's definitely the challenge of it. Like I just went rock climbing for the first day today, or for the first time today, and I'm pretty awful at it. So now I I, I can I can feel this 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 burning desire to get better at it. You know what I mean? 
you know what? Um, just to help you out a little bit, you know something that you're really bad at that you could get really good at? Mm. Getting people to listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I just got to find a way to piss me off with it, and and I'll probably I'll probably <laughs> launch into it because that's I, I find that that's typically the pattern for me is if it pisses me off, like if it just vastly, you have to rebel against it. I have yeah, it has to be defiance. Like that's the overriding feeling, you know. I think mine is is that too, in in a sense where it's like oh, you're definitely a defiant human being. Mine is usually people think I can't do something, so I'm like I'm gonna exactly. do it. I was just gonna say like the easiest way to get you to do something is to tell you you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's something I have no interest in, you could be like, mm, you know what you you probably could never do. You could probably never learn to play soccer. I'm like, you're probably right. You're probably correct. Sure, I have no interest in playing soccer. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line. Same with you, I'm sure too, right? I yeah, so say, some things just have I just have no interest in. Sure, you know what? You're terrible at lamb being a Republican. That's not going to make you go out and change your party. Yeah, because it, it has <laughs> to be something that it has to be something that appeals to a certain side of me. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's that's a really that's a really weird paradox when you think about it. We we push ownership off of ourselves because we fear challenge. But if something doesn't challenge us, we can't take ownership of it. Yeah, sure. That is weird. That is really weird. And I'm not even sure how to digest what the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> so so for anyone who thinks we're faking, like we definitely we have real time epiphanies on the show and it's fairly common for us to do so. Uh yeah. Um I'm at a loss for words even. <laughs> yeah, I'm also weird, at a loss it? for words because the dog is like pacing around my feet right now. Well, I also I, I mean for as long as I've known you, you've definitely been that guy. You know, you 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 struggle against something. And if you don't struggle against a thing, then it's not likely that you'll have very much interest in it. You know, that that brings up a really interesting point or a realization about myself that I've come to recently. We everybody listening may be aware of this that I've changed a lot in the podcast over the last, well, I guess it's been three and a half years. But there are other projects and stuff and all a history of, of a lot of changes. And I think that uh, part of me was changing things so that I didn't have to take ownership. But I also think that I change things when I need a challenge. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, for example, like, we know why I got rid of social media this time. Mm-hmm. But the last time that I, I got rid of my social media, which I think was like a year and a half ago, I think I did that as a challenge. You remember, I I, I would say that you know, we don't need social media to promote the show. And then I spent like a year fucking proving that. Yeah. And and, and I mean, I, I think it all got inspired from digital minimalism and, and, and you pushed forward from that. Like, I, I definitely do think that that whether whether you admit to it or not, you're definitely more inspired more often than most people. Um, and but but it doesn't feel like inspiration. It, it, it feels like momentum. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm always I feel weird if I don't have a project or something that I'm working on. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's a problem too, is when things become regular, I no longer see them as a challenge. So then I have to seek other challenges. Mm-hmm. A lot of epiphanies mm-hmm. right now. Sure. You know, like that's for crazy. example, this podcast is pretty much a consistent thing for me. I don't have to do... Other than the guest episodes, which I'm still working back in, 
this, you know, recording with you and Tom is routine, editing mm-hmm. routine. It's no longer a challenge. Sure. Which it doesn't mean that I don't still enjoy it or whatever, but it means that I have to look for other challenges, which is probably why I'm working on the other project that I'm working on. Just to have something challenging. And the reason yeah. I'm not telling anybody about it is because <laughs> I don't want to. I, I want to actually, I don't want to tell people about anything anymore until it's fucking done. Mm. I'm tired of saying I'm working on something and then people ask me how it's coming and then either having to say I'm not doing it anymore or it's a longer process. Like I really wish I had never told anybody that I was working on a novel. Oh, geez. Yeah, sure. I'd probably be done with it if I hadn't told people. Hmm. That's an interesting phenomenon. Why do you think that is? Because I wouldn't... It's really easy to sublimate motivation to work into motivation to share. Mm. You know, it's really easy instead of sitting down and writing to tell people, oh man, I've been working on the novel and it's tough, which I'm making fun of myself, but it is true. It's tough. But I wouldn't be able to bitch about it. I wouldn't be able to share that it's tough because nobody knows about it. Mm. So all I'd have to do is fucking grit and bear it and move forward or quit. Yeah, or quit. Yeah, sure. And that's another good reason to not tell people things because you free yourself to quit something when you know when you don't want to do it anymore. Mm. You know, or it doesn't work and you don't like if you're working on a book and it's just not working and you're like this isn't the book I want to write. Mm-hmm. If you told people you're going to write it, you're going to make yourself try to at least pretend like you're still working on it because you don't want the public embarrassment of going guess what it didn't work. Sure. So if it's private, you can just say, oh, this doesn't work. Boom. Move on to the next one. And mm-hmm. nobody will know. You know, how many, how many great novelists out there, you know, they have five, 10 books. They probably wrote part of 10, 20 more. That oh, easily. Didn't work. Yeah. They just fucking never told anybody. Hmm. Interesting. So I yeah, think that's got to be true. That's, that's, that's the other side of the ownership thing where it's like, if you're going to own this, then like own it. Like, Make it your own. Stop trying to fucking use it as a marketing ploy, mm-hmm. which we all do because social media wants us to do that. Share the process, whatever. You know, like, yes, share the process on short term things. Nobody wants the process shared on long term things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, imagine if I had an Instagram every day where I just took a picture of myself sitting at the desk wishing I was typing. <laughs> well, this is, this is why Song Exploder works for one song and not for albums. Mm hmm. Speaking of which, did you check out that podcast I recommended? No, I haven't you? checked it out yet. No. I am going to recommend it to the audience too right now. But what's funny is, literally the day after I recommended it to you, he released an episode on Paranoid Android. Oh, geez, like, really? Well, that's a good episode for Lamb to start. Yeah, with. that's a heck of a way to start for me. Uh, the it's... podcast I'm talking about, everybody's called Strong Songs. It's really cool. This guy is a former music teacher. He's a saxophone player. He plays many other instruments. He knows music theory. And he takes a song and he breaks it apart and tells you why it works. Um, and he's all over the place with songs. He did a jazz song. He did Dancing Queen by ABBA, Paranoid Android, I just said, uh, Tiny Dancer by Elton John, uh, Single Ladies by Beyonce, all over the place. And it, he's just, it's really, it's, it's nice. It's a really cool show. Like he'll go into things. He's like, okay, you see what he's doing with the chord progression here? And he'll play it for you on the piano and explain the note breakdown. It's like a music nerds. It's the step above 
Song Exploder. Song Exploder is the story of what's going on in the song. This show is the mechanics of what's in the song. Do you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like a robot trying to take off its pants. Uh, that is my Apple Watch, which is across the room. There's someone calling me on my phone. I oh, apologize ahead of time. It's so, vibrating. Yeah, speaking of paranoid androids. Oh, on a plate? Yeah, well, no, it's on like a metal hand table. I probably picked the <laughs> worst place to put it. Like, I'm imagining like a giant Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Something like the Apple chest plate. Hold oh on, I'm, I'm getting so a sorry, phone guys. call. <laughs> this thing measures my heart rate by beaming light through my chest. Oh, man. Good God. Yeah, we're getting weird, guys. going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> you will live. You will survive. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Great podcast. <laughs> 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 that almost sounded like I was talking about our podcast. I mean, strong songs. I've been re-listening uh, to Stranglers, too. Do you, know who, do you know who that guy is? What guy? The guy on the strong songs. Like, is he someone that we'd recognize? Oh no, I've no I don't I have no idea. I don't even know his name. Gotcha. Okay. He says it, but I, I never Kirk Hamilton. I just looked. I happened to be in the app when you asked me that. Sounded like I had that memorized, didn't it? Yep. Pretty smooth. If you hadn't told me I didn't know that I wouldn't have known that you didn't know. Yeah. Covering it up. So you outed yourself on that? That's okay. I don't need to be famous for remembering things. I don't want to be famous for remembering things. Yeah, it makes you think you don't really want to be famous for much. You know what I mean? Because then there's that that just unenviable expectation that haunts you. Right. Like, here's a good question for you. Would you be happy or unhappy with being a one-hit wonder? Unhappy. I know it. And why? Um, because I, I life changes so much we change so much um that i wouldn't want to be known for one particular thing because whatever it was that i'd be known for i wouldn't want to be known for at some other point you know what would be the best to be like a one-hit wonder but you're in a band like kiss or slipknot where nobody knows what you look like oh yeah rake in the fucking money and then spend the rest of your life like being a quote-unquote real artist you know, like, yes, I wrote Cherry Pie, but I've been playing piano in concert for years. Like freaking uh, how Jim Carrey is a phenomenal painter. Mm-hmm. He, uh, what's funny is I don't think he was a very good painter when he started. I saw some yeah. of his stuff. It was awful. And then yeah. it got pretty good. And uh, speaks to the challenge thing again. Whoops. Speaking of challenge. I need to uh, challenge myself not to burp in the middle of episodes. The episode with him and uh, on Comedians and Cars. Oh, I love that episode. It's a really good episode. And it's so weirdly insightful. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was actually a very... Uh, it, was a, it was a very earnest look at an artist's life, actually, and the, 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 the cost of fame. It's really, really amazing. And he is a strange dude. Like He is so wise in some ways and then just so weird in other ways. I love it. Mm-hmm. he's not easy you're like oh he's very sage and very wise and then he'll say something else and you're like that was stupid like nope you might be a village idiot but you're also one of the wisest village idiots out there ah man I, i'm so sorry jim carrey if that's insulting um i think he'd be okay with that i mean he did spend his life doing characters like uh fire marshal bill and stuff like that and ace ventura sure yeah purposefully making quote-unquote an idiot of himself mm-hmm. which he doesn't do anymore 
He has. Yeah. I haven't seen that. What is that thing that he's doing now? Is it a TV show or was it a movie? I don't remember. I didn't even know he was doing anything. There's something I'm going to look right now because it's stupid that I don't know this. I remember uh, hearing of that. Like, I mean, it, there was a mention of it. Like he went to an award show or something like that. And or he won something, I feel like. Maybe. I feel like he won an Emmy or something. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Looking, looking, looking. Let's see. Kidding. TV show. That's what it is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's playing a kids TV show host. Like kind uh, of, I guess maybe like a, a Mr. Rogers type thing. Got it. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. Maybe maybe that should be an action item. If we can watch it. What is it on? Watch on Prime now. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's Showtime. That's why I haven't heard much about it. Showtime, you guys need to up your marketing because I hear about everything HBO does. I don't hear about shit you guys do. Yeah, sure. Granted, maybe they're kicking ass on social media and I just don't know it. All right, I'm going to get an action item. I'm going to make it for both of us. Watch one episode of Kidding. Mm, okay. Make Honest. it simple. I, plus, I really like Jim Carrey, so that won't be a tough one for me. You know what What I'll do? Um, I'm gonna, I'll just ask you this live on the show. Do you want me to share the notes where I put the action item in Apple Notes? Or you don't want me to just send a screenshot of all the action items? Screenshot. Okay. Uh, watch one episode of Kidding. Everybody else, you should do that too. Then we can all talk about it together. Whoa. Actually, you technically could. If you had questions, you could DM them on Instagram about Kidding. Yes. Do you have any idea how old Jim Carrey is? 65. No, he's got to be younger than that, right? Yeah, he's got to be younger than that. But that's weird because that means he's not that much older than us. Mm. Yeah, but none of the artists we know and love are that much older than us. Yeah, I was listening to something the other day and they're like, oh, I'm 46. And I'm like, what? You're four years older than me? That's it? I don't remember who it was, but it blew me away. Uh, Jim Carrey, what year were you born? That doesn't help. It doesn't. Oh, 1962. So that would be 15 years older than me. So that would make him... 57? 57, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Near in the 60s. My mom's age. So he could be friends with my mom. That's weird. Your mom's young. Yeah, she is. Had me when she was 17. I'm not sure if she'd want me to tell the world that, but it's too late now. Well, no, no, she's young. And she wants you to tell the world that. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. a good point. Um, <laughs> she that is, she's young. <laughs> she also looks incredibly young, and I feel like there's an action item there. Do you, what? What? There's an action item about your mom being young. I'm going to post a picture of my mom and I next to each other, and you tell me how old she looks. I am not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no way in hell I'm going to do that. Every man knows you never do that. <laughs> you can post the picture, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mom, I'm so sorry. Do you guys go out go out to eat and people think you're on a date? Hey, I've gotten that. It's really gross. Um, it might be gross for you, but it's flattering for your mom. True. I think every time I go out to eat with my mom, she always if the waitress is cute, she always makes sure to say something like, Oh, me and my son... <laughs> mm, just to get it out of the way early thanks mom <laughs> yeah. 
That's hilarious. The room, she probably hears me saying this right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lordy, where's the where's the timer? How? Oh man, we are only an hour and twenty minutes into this episode. Actually, it feels like a lot shorter than that. I feel like we've only been talking for like forty minutes. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like we've been talking for like three hours. I don't know what I have no concept of the time right now. Well, maybe it's because of the time of day in which we're speaking to. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's weird how much that changes the dynamic of the show. Remember the morning episode? That was super weird. That was one of the... I think the episode came out fine, but it was one of the more uncomfortable recording sessions. Yeah, it was really strange. No, I, I totally agree. I couldn't tell you why, but it was definitely very, very strange. Yeah, I feel like we're more discombobulated in the daylight. No, I feel like it's. I feel like it's because we have more energy than we're used to. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it too. You know, what's funny is yesterday Brandon and I recorded for I don't know. I think we we went like an hour and forty minutes or something like that, and then we ended the recording, and we ended up talking for two hours and twenty minutes more. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I remember we've had a few of those episodes where we talk for like an hour and a half after the episode's over. Oh, and what's funny is like it wasn't all personal stuff. I could have literally kept recording because we talked about stuff. There's one point where even Brandon was like, "Maybe we should have talked about this." <laughs> we talked about movies like a lot in in the actual episode, but then we talked about so much more after that, mm-hmm. like global warming and all of these other things. Jeez. Yeah, like we went deep. It's like it took an hour and a half for it to warm up. It happens sometimes. You know, with us, like you said, sometimes like it's work to like get the conversation like moving and then we end and it's like, whoa, no, my, my engine's still going. I still got more. Hmm. I wonder if it's it's one of those like, because, you know, you, you've always kind of wanted recurring guests. Um I feel like there are a couple of people now that, that kind of fit that bill, like just in how I've heard their episodes. I mean, I know that you and Brandon, because of the way Brandon speaks, it gets, it's pretty raw. Mm-hmm. And so it probably makes for some, some entertaining time on the, the show. And I, I, I loved Julie's episode. Um, she was so much fun. We're slowly but surely finding the, the people that make sense, you know? Yeah, I think there's, there should always be every show should, that have guest sections should have a mix of like, people that are new that nobody's heard before. Maybe I've never talked to before mm-hmm. and people that have been on before people that are familiar people that I know. Well, I feel like that that's a really good mix of things because when you, when you're always trying to get new people on, I think you get caught up on like this ramp. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I got to get somebody that's more famous than the last person and more, more reach than the last person. You get stuck on like that stupid end of it. Whereas when you do it like this, you're like, I just want to talk to people. Yeah. You want to, you want to talk to people and have entertaining conversations and or learn something. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like talking to somebody you don't know. Sometimes <clears throat> you feel like talking to somebody you do know. That's real life. Yeah. In a weird sort of way too, this, this, the show itself gives you an avenue to talk to people in long form in ways that you probably wouldn't otherwise. Especially in my daily life. Sure. Sure. Like I think about some of the, the conversations that, that, or, or in, in just listening to the show, like, you know, the Angles conversation, for example, like when's the last time you sat down and talked to him for two hours, you know? Probably when I was drunk. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like if you got Carlos Atelier on the show or, 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 you know, even your conversation with Eric, I mean, the, the length of those conversations is so much longer than a normal conversation you'd have with that person in almost any other environment. And there's something really nice about that. You know, there's, there's a depth that you can get to that you wouldn't have found otherwise. That's why I really look forward to having a studio and to be able to do them in person. You know, not all of them, you know, if you're talking to somebody you don't know, the chances of them being in the same city as you is a lot slimmer. But at least with the people I know, bring them in and then also be able to bring like you and Tom or you or Tom into those as well to just even play with the dynamics of that. You know, like, okay, you and I have talked one-on-one like three times, but what about if we throw Lamb in this mix? How's mm, the conversation sure. going to go now? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, we've we've said before, it's just too logistically hard to do remotely because it just gets to be a fucking mess of interruptions mm. <laughs> when you can't see each other. You remember that <clears throat> that the Drew one went okay because we the first time we interviewed Drew, it went okay just because I cut out a ton of silence. Mm, sure. You remember doing that? It was yeah, like, oh, do. Drew would answer a question, then it'd be like very silent. And then one of us would finally decide that okay, I'll be the one to ask a question. Because we didn't want to be like jumping at the same time. It just makes it in person that wouldn't happen. So Yeah, what a weird dynamic that is though. I mean it's it's something that you don't really know until you get into it. And I imagine too from from that perspective, it's different every time you have a guest. And I, I feel like in, in that from that perspective, it's actually easier to do a one-on-one interview versus having two people talking on the show unless you've practiced it enough, you know? On in remote, yeah, absolutely. In person, I'm not I wouldn't worry about it too much. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, like it's not really an interview. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, that's have, a good point. I don't have to worry about leading it so much. So if you know, if it goes off at the rails with like three people, it goes off the rails. Sure. That's good the way point. the conversation went in the end. You know, like I don't uh, actually in editing Brandon's episode, I was listening and I'm like, mm, I talked too much. Mm. Like I definitely out talked Brandon in the episode, but that's that's what happened. And he'll be back on again, and I'll probably let him out talk me next time. Sure, I like that naturalness. Well, it's also nice to have the possibility of recurring guests too, because you can kind of learn from episode to episode how it's supposed to go. You know, right. The top, just like we bring bringing up topics that we're continually digging into, uh, not just the ones that I'm bringing in the episodes now, but stuff that we've talked about before. You know, like uh, we've talked so many times about surveillance capitalism and creativity and all these things that keep coming back in that allows that topic to expand and grow. And the same thing can happen with guests too. It's like, oh, you know, last time we were talking about this. Well, that was a year ago, and in that year, <laughs> I thought about that a lot. So that could be a really interesting dynamic. I'm looking at the guest page right now and I'm like, hmm, might be time to start reinviting some people. God, what a weird dynamic that is. What, reinviting people? Well, I mean, just the 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 ability to revisit stuff, you know, and I know that the, the that other podcasts and various shows deal with this, but I mean for us it's different because there have been so many iterations of the show that it hasn't stayed consistent to a certain set of themes. And so because of that, um, because it's more structured and stable now than it has been in a while, there is the possibility of things coming back. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's very different. Well, it's like, uh, I was actually, I'm looking at a picture of Vinny LePay right now. <laughs> we were texting like not too long ago. I don't know 
if I said this in the episode, he was the first interview that I did as when the show was Creative Minds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was his birthday. And I don't, I don't know Vinny in person. We've only met online. But I, he, he wanted to do the show and he was totally down to do it on his birthday. I didn't even know it was his birthday until we finished recording. And then he texted me not too long ago and I said, oh, you got to come on the show again. And he's like, so funny you say that. He's like, today is my birthday again. <laughs> <laughs> it was either today or tomorrow's my birthday. I can't remember. But I was like, whoa, how random and weird is that? Wait, and you didn't know this? No, I didn't know it. Whoa, weird. That is super weird. No, we just happened to be... We just happened to end up in a text conversation. And I said, you got to come back on the show. And it was like the day or the day before the same time he was on last year. Oh, man. What are the chances? That's so random. Yeah, so crazy. But yeah, one of the things... Going back to what you were saying about topics coming back around. What I've really been thinking about is going back and re-listening to episodes and pulling older topics and going, hmm, we should bring that up again. Hmm. Really just... Like, actually, you know, I... I have it on this post and I almost forgot. I wanted to give a system update. You know, we were talking about systems last time. Yeah. This is not going to get nerdy. If you guys didn't like the, those two episodes on systems, this, this is not going to get nerdy. I think I've settled on what I'm going to do. And it's actually not going to be Evernote. Even though oh, huh. I, I was surprisingly pleased with the way Evernote would work for that. I just had to start digging into how... When these ideas come to me, how they actually function best you know like i have it most most of the time they're written in my little pocket notebook so what what do i do naturally with things that come from my pocket notebook am i really going to sit down in front of a computer and type them out into Mm -hmm. Evernote every night no definitely not but one thing that i do already is so the the newsletter that i do marginalia it is five every, every week i send out five facts or interesting pieces of information that I've run across in reading. And like, for example, I'll give an example. Is this the right box? No, it's not the right box. Too many boxes, not enough labels. Like, for example, I might put Hank Williams had spina bifida. That might be one of the facts I put in there. Some of them are short, some of them are long. Well, I'm already writing those on index cards. And those are coming from the same place as a notebook. So what I'm going to do is the concepts that I have that come in that could be topics for shows, I'm going to write those on index cards. But I'm not going to try to do anything with them as index cards except for store them. So I'm going to not worry about all that other stuff that I was worried about. You know, like how does this one connect to this one and this one connect to that one? I'm just going to store them on the index cards. And then after they make it into an episode because they're not all going to make it into episodes. If one makes it into an episode, then I'm going to type that into Scrivener and I'm just going to keep all my notes in one document on that one topic. Mm, okay. So that that's part of the problem is I was trying to overwork something that wasn't... I was trying to work things that I wasn't even sure I was going to use. So now this forces me to only work with the things that we use. So right now, I'd only have two documents. I'd have a document about building systems, personal information management, and I'd have a document about ownership and, and offloading ownership by trying to get buy-in from other people. Are you going to... I mean, what level of granular are you going to go towards? Or are you going to discover that as you do it? Uh, ask, uh, I need a little more granular, granularity in the question. <laughs> what do you mean? 
like how specific are you going to get on the topics? Because I can see they're just becoming like this overwhelming mountain of notebooks. Mm, I don't know. To be honest, I'm just going to let them develop naturally. Sure. So what my plan is, literally my plan only goes that far. So like I'll use ownership that we talked about today. So I have that document. I'll, I'll type that document in description to the title of the Scrivener document will be that. And then I'll listen to the episode with Tom, pull out any interesting facts, put that in a note. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, all any interesting or pertinent facts that came out of this episode about that topic. And then I'm just going to let it sit in the Scrivener. And then if I, am, if I run across something that I think fits it again, I will add to that. If I find myself drawn to that topic and wanting to look into it more, then I'll do that. I'm just going to let it happen organically. Okay. Until one of the, and then at some point, one of those documents will reach a size where I'm like, okay, now I think I'm ready to try to record my thoughts in a Patreon episode. And then when that happens, then I'll do that and let everything move to the next stage naturally. Instead of trying to create like this mechanized system, I think it just needs to be more human. Mm-hmm. I see. It's it, and that and that keeps the stress off of it. And instead of making it a task, it makes it in, inspiring. Sure, sure, sure. Because I think I came to that realization when I was. Sorry, listeners. You, this will be the third time you're going to hear this. When I figured out the short, long term thing that I, I've talked about with Tom and I've talked about it in the Patreon episode. That I have short-term projects that have, you know, I have projects that have short-term turnaround. This podcast being that project. I put out two to three episodes every week. That allows me so much leeway with long-term projects because I don't have to worry about like, I need to get this long-term project done because I haven't put anything out. I'm putting two to three things out just in this podcast alone every week. So I can just let long-term projects be more organic and I don't have to drive them as much as I have. Mm. And I think that's really a big revelation for me in the sense that I know that it takes a re- it takes regiment and it takes dedication to do this on a consistent basis. Sure. And get, the, get the short-term things out because, and, and that's a, those two things work together well. The fact that I record with Tom on Monday and it comes out on Wednesday only allows me one day to edit, which means I edit episodes with Tom every Tuesday. I have no leeway. Yeah, sure. And, you know, like those, those short-term things, having a rigid structure work well. Long-term things, maybe they need a more flexible schedule. Yeah, need to be more open and your ability to modify them needs to exist. Yeah. And I think that what I was trying to do before is take that rigidity and apply it to the long-term projects. And that was just nuking them. Mm, I see what you mean. Because you can't, you can't stay that committed. You can't stay that regimented for that long. You just can't. Well, then I guess it, it kind of applies to the thing we were talking about earlier, which is um, it's not just not telling other people that you're going to do something. It's not telling yourself you're going to do a certain thing either. Because then you set the expectation for yourself and you stay on a track that may or may not be correct because you've forced yourself onto that path. Right. Yeah, because this can... You know, huh, this, interesting. That's weird that it works both internally and externally. Yeah, strange, right? A lot of, yeah. a lot of really fascinating revelations in this episode. There's, there's a... 
there's a lot of play in these episodes, but the play in these episodes happen in the conversations. Mm-hmm. The rest of the way that this project is structured has no play, right? You know, like I said, comes out. It has to be edited. It has to be edited on this day. And it has to go here. This is mm-hmm. where it goes. And this is when it publishes. And they come out at six in the morning so that people can have it for commute. All those things are regimented, but I have play in what we talk about and how much fun we can have and the fact that we can talk about whatever the fuck we want. Sure. So this this, this never gets spoiled because it, it has play in the place that play benefits it. But in the long-term project, the play is more in everything, right? You, you can take those long-term projects and just play with them. And because you're just playing with them, you end up with kind of better results, at least to a certain degree, right? You know, like I have a book, like if I'm just playing with it and I'm, I'm probably going to finish that book faster than if I'm being an asshole to myself to finish it. You know, the, 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 what it all bring, what it all boils down to me in the way, because I, I, that's just the way my brain works. So I try to come up with simplified versions of what you say. I think that work and play are essentially the same thing. It's just how you think of them that defines them. So in this particular case, like don't work as much, play more, and you'll probably produce more. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I think that's that's why why I think as far as like you doing music, that's why I think Patreon is so important. Because you have all play in your music. You need a little bit of work. Hmm. You need something. You you have all long term. You need a little bit of short term. Yeah, that's true. You need to be. You have like I'm working on an album, but in the meantime, I did this cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. And in the process of doing those covers, you're learning things musically that are probably going to enhance your album. Sure. So that's that's why I always like Patreon. I think is so important because it's everybody has the wrong perspective on Patreon. They think it's about themselves. It's not about themselves. It's about the work. It's about the it's about the what you put into it. And that's why it's value it's it's not what you put up there that's valuable to people so much as that you are working at something. Mm-hmm. And like it's easy for me to forget that too, where I'm like, I got I get too focused on the work end of the Patreon and I don't have enough play and enough fun with it. Sure. So Good lesson for both of us. You need a little more work. And I need a little bit more play. <laughs> Which is weird because in the rest of my life, I think I work too much and don't play enough. Yeah. That's your balance is all off, right? Yeah. It's all out of whack. It's, and so is mine. I'm absolutely the same thing with my work life, right? <laughs> yeah, true. All, it's all play, not enough work. <laughs> yeah. So we literally have the opposite in our situations and maybe finding a middle ground between the two of us will make us both happier and more successful. Yes. It goes back to that string, right? We got to find our place on the string. Mm. Right now, we haven't been, neither of us have been doing a very good job of that. Yeah, that's true. So wow, I think, so many, that's, it's, it's weird to have real time, like actual meaningful re- revelations on this show. I know. Hopefully the people listening appreciate it. If not, doesn't matter. We got some really good value out of it for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even if we're using this just as a therapy session among us, it's worth it. So you know, you know what? I'm not gonna. We're not gonna end the episode right now. But I want to go to challenges right this second because mm-hmm. I think the challenges should be: what way are each of us gonna tow one step further on that string to find this medium place? 
You know what I mean? Like, what's our, what's, what's your next action? What's my next action? You know, like, we're not going to jump to the middle of the string. We have to move along the string one step at a time to find the balance. So, sure. like, we'll make our challenges that first step. You know, like, yours could be, I'm just going to throw something out. Like, I'm going to do the two covers that I, that I've been wanting to do. I'm going to do them and I'm going to do them this week. Boom. And then that's your first step, you know, like, uh, or I'm trying to think of mine right now while I'm talking, which doesn't work very well. So why don't you talk for a little bit? <laughs> well, I, I, if we're going to challenges, I definitely did pull off my first challenge uh, or pull off the challenge from last week, which was to get rid of the piano that had too many ghosts in it. Oh, good. Um, that was a, it was, it was logistically difficult, but I pulled it off. So that piano was gone. So I know there's this giant empty space in my house, which is kind of nice in its own way. Um, I have found a piano that has no attachments to it. Um, which is kind of a cool piano. It's an old Wurlitzer. Um, I think it's a Wurlitzer maybe. Um, but it's signed by five famous pianists and there was just a person I know who's giving it away for free. So I'm going to get it within the next like seven days. Um, so that's my challenge for, for myself there is to find a way to get that piano to my house so I can touch a piano that's 100% mine. I haven't had that in a really long time. Um, and I feel like that's going to inspire a lot because I, I don't know for, for anyone out there who plays instruments, I know that this is not special to me, but I, I definitely feel like pianos have personalities. Um, and if we're talking about it from a tangible perspective, like, you know, every piano is weighted differently, sounds different, sounds different, is a different voice. Um, even from the era itself, um, the sound can change or the, the, the style of wood or where it's been for the last 20 years. Um, so all of those things give a piano of a certain personality. I'm very curious as to what the personality of this one's going to be. Awesome. Uh, my challenge is going to be, wow. This is an interesting challenge. I have a self-portrait that I started painting on the night of the 2016 election. It was the photo I took when I saw who won. A photo of myself, obviously, a self-portrait when I saw who won. And I haven't touched it in probably a year. I just got to a point where it was work. (laughs) So my challenge is to bust out the paint and start working on that painting again. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'm going to finish it. I'm just saying I'm going to play with it. So that's my challenge. How much work do you think it would take you to finish it at this point? I will send you a photo of it in once I finish typing this. Got it. My guess, because I work in a lot of layers, so what you're going to see might look like that's how it's going to look, but there will probably be a ton of layers over this. So I don't know. It could take me... 20, 30 hours. Are you painting in acrylics, I assume? Yeah, sorry. I'm not in front of the microphone. Hold on a second. Okay. I had to actually get the painting. Yeah, so what you'll see actually has very little depth because I haven't painted the layers that will give it depth yet. Mm, I'm getting really good at this, taking photos in the middle of episodes thing. I think that's four episodes in a row where I've done it. Yeah, pretty much. I was just going to say, nice. Getting getting better at talking through it. (laughs) Yeah, so there's not just some random vacant noise. Yeah, image coming your way right now. Sounds fast, right? Solid, yeah. Good turnaround. Good me. Good on me. So that's the current state of it right now. Uh, Fascinating. It's got... See, there's no depth at all. Like you can look... If you look at that top eye, 
there's no shading even in that eye yet. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, if if I didn't know any better, I'd say that was a stylistic choice. Well, what's actually going to happen is that eye is going to have to be painted over because it is not in line with the other eye. I don't do sketches. I just literally started that with... Uh, you don't wireframe or anything beforehand? No, that's, that's straight brush to canvas. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to play with this week. And that's that gray underneath. The, you know, like you can see that I started to work a layer of shadow around the arm and underneath the head there, but it's not actually shadow yet. Yeah, sure. So, those are going to be my challenges. Um, oh, cool. I did both of those already. Check, check. Um, where is my note? Where's my note? There it is. Okay. Just to refresh, our action items are wow, these are all you. Sweet. Oh, no. One of them's me, but you have to do something on that one, too. Um, use robot footage to Instagram. Got it. A uh, song that has words as weapons video. You're going to post a song that had a video of what... Maybe you should... Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should, like, post the video that you're talking about. Yeah, I'm thinking about posting the video. Um, I, I'll see if I can find it. If not, I'll post a still from it. Um, or I'll, I'll find a way to put the link up or something like that. Yeah. Okay, maybe, I'll post a, maybe I'll post a still from it in the Instagram and then put the link in the comments. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I was like thinking about it as I'm saying it. I'm like, that doesn't really do anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both going to watch one episode of Kidding with Jim yep. Ari. That's on Hulu, you said? I think it's on Prime. Oh, okay, cool. It's, it's from Showtime. Yeah, Showtime has a deal with Prime. And it, I think it's in its second season. So the first season is probably on Prime. Got it. Uh, if it turns out that we can't watch it, then then we can't watch it. It'll just be an action item we can't complete. And then, of course, you're gonna, you said you're going to post a picture of your mom and you. You can probably do that right now. Yeah, but I want to wait till the episode comes out. Otherwise, people have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Oh, yeah. You can wait on that one. Maybe you do the robot footage first. Yep. Okay, everybody. Uh, you can follow me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions. Today, I put out the first episode of that thing that I've been talking about for a long time called Deboxed, where I took an item on my... This one was on my shelf, but I'm normally going to pull them out of boxes. Told the story behind it and actually added an element to this. At the end, I tell the audience whether I'm going to keep it or get rid of it. Hmm. And uh, so go check that out. It's about why I have a Hot Wheel on my shelf. Hot Wheel toy, not anything else. Uh, Lamb, where can they find you on the Patreons? Uh, Patreon.com slash The Vacant Room, which I have not worked on in a couple of weeks. Um, so I got to get back on that. Um, you also can find me on uh, social media um, everywhere at The Vacant Room. Um, I'm most active um on instagram so it's the vacant room uh not at the vacant room um but yeah you can find me there i don't know why i feel like i need to preface that every time that's okay they'll get used to it (laughs) sure by now sure absolutely it'll just be your style (laughs) something long enough it becomes your quote style yeah seriously jeez Uh, i don't want want a style chad you have to have a style. I it's guess. A, it's, it's, it's just a way of life. I really I really want us to go to a baseball game at some point. I know that sounds super weird, but I would like to do that. Well, yeah, if it's in the daytime, then we can get a doggy sitter. Oh, that's true. Yeah, good point. 
baseball. Let's do it. Oh, you guys can follow Mr. Tom on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Tom Woodrum. And he is on Instagram at sir.beardo. That's beard with an O at the end and a period in the middle of Sir Beardo. Wow, what a weird episode. Yeah. Um, oh, also, if you don't want to remember all these links, you can click the thing that says support. Random badassery in the episode notes. It will take you to the landing page with everything in nice little handy buttons. Uh, or you can just go to holyfoolproductions.com forward slash RB. It's the same exact thing. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can go to random badassery, all one word, for possible topics, for stuff that we talked about, visual aids for stuff that we've talked about in episodes, recommendations for things, song stuff in stories. And you can DM us on that Instagram to ask questions of me, Tom, Lamb, or the show in general. That's It's just for questions. We're not looking to... Uh, have a review there because what we really want you to do with what you think about the show is, as we said at the beginning, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a couple stars, hopefully closer to five. (laughs) 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 And a couple words. I really want us to get over 100 reviews. We're only at 38 or 36, one of the two. And we also have a Twitter. And I'm done rambling. So bye-bye, babies. Bye. (laughs) 